It's episode 173 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Simon Goodway. Hello. 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 It's exciting to be here. I'm, I'm excited that you are here. Please, can you tell me what Scoops is? I can. Scoops is a monthly improv show in Brighton. Um, I sometimes call it an improv cabaret show in that it's several different acts, but I feel like that makes people think there's going to be sort of clowns and burlesque, which there generally aren't. Um, but it's sort of every month, it's four different acts, sort of 20-minute slots. Um, there's kind of one house act, which I'm part of, and then the other three acts are different every month. Um, and and then at the end, there's a jam where people in the audience can get up and uh, play little games. Uh, and I run it, and it's a lot of fun. Cool. Um, lots of elements to dig into there. Tell me about <laughs> yes. Tell me about the um, the house act to start with. The house act. Um, that's me, uh, Ben Tucker, and Rick Stewart. And um, we sort of mix up what we do. We've done lots of different things over the years. Um, we've kind of tried more long formy things. Um, for a while, we were doing a thing where we got everyone in the not everyone in the audience, but we got someone in the audience to give us each a line of dialogue, and they would be our first lines. And then we would sort of just try and make sense of that because usually it didn't make sense. Um, and that was it was fun, but often we found we spent most of the time just trying to sort of make sense of it rather than just <laughs> enjoying ourselves and having fun. So we don't tend to do that anymore. Uh, but yeah, we've we've tried all sorts of different ways of getting the ask. Sometimes it's a mono scene, sometimes it's lots of different scenes and related. We mix it up, um, but it's generally the three of us, unless one of us isn't there, in which case it's it's two of us. <laughs> um, there's only been there's been a couple of times when neither of them was available, and I just had to pull in other people to do a thing with me. But yeah, you, usually it's me, me Ben and Rick doing something for twenty minutes. And, and what sort of if you had to describe your style as a trio, could you do that? Um, yeah, sort of very silly. We've all got quite different styles, really, and we work quite well together, I think, because of it. Um, how would I describe this? Ben is sort of very... Um, oh gosh, how do you describe Ben Tucker? Um, yeah, he, he, he does a lot of sort of, uh, I don't know, quite... Uh, big characters maybe and he gets really um he's very creative and very inventive about sort of the world we're creating uh and rick is really great at sort of game of the scene and pointing out ridiculous things and i'm sort of somewhere in the middle um and yeah the three of us just we've got quite different styles and the three of us together just just create something weird and beautiful who could ask for more indeed and you know we have, is it, say, three other acts? Three other acts, yeah. And yeah, uh, I, I try to sort of not repeat an act more than once every six months, um, which sometimes falls through if I've sort of got a slot I'm struggling to fill, I'll just get whoever I can. Um, but generally, it's, yeah, once every six months is kind of my limit. Uh, so it's, it's different every time. And it's a mix of things, really. It's a lot of, there's quite a few uh, acts from Brighton who come and do it uh, every so often. There were a few out-of-town acts who are happy to come uh, and play, which is exciting. Um, and sometimes, if, if I am struggling to fill a slot, I'll just get a few people to put something together on the night. And also, it's uh, a nice thing for sort of, if people have got something experimental they want to try, 
um, they can do it at Scoop. So often there is something that's just kind of a one-off that will never happen again. So it's all sorts of different things, really. It's very, very varied, this sort of style of act we have. And what's the process if somebody wanted to perform at Scoops? Is there a way they can do that? Yes, um, they can just get in touch with me or with Scoops through uh, our social media. Uh, it's on uh, Scoops Improv on sort of everything. Uh, I did create a form at one point so people can officially apply. Um, and if you search for our social media, somewhere you'd find a link to that form. But uh, it's not anywhere obvious. I should put it in all our sort of handles in our in our in our bios. Uh, maybe I'll do that. Uh, but as yet, that's not easy to find. Um, but yeah, contact me or Scoops through social media, and I will uh, I will get back to you. Fantastic. And so you have the acts, and yeah. then you have a jam afterwards. Tell yes. me about how that's run. Um, normally I run that. Um, it used to be we would just sort of say, get two people up at a time, give them a, a word or a location or something, and, and let them do a scene. Now we do more sort of games, just because that kind of gives me a bit more control. Um, we had, um, just after we came back after the pandemic, we had a couple of jams where people did things that were maybe a little bit inappropriate and maybe made a few people feel a bit uncomfortable. So I sort of rethought it at that point. And, um, you know, it's games. And I try and I start often with new choice um, because then I thought, once you've established that mechanic, if someone does something dodgy in a later scene, you can shout new choice at them, which I've never had to do yet. But it's good to have that uh, sort of established just in case. Two people at a time play games, really. I'm a big fan of using new choice. Because yeah. you've already established, you know, how the game works and then just using it as a tool at you know, the other parts of the night or the workshop. Yeah, that's a, that's a super fun thing to do. Yeah. I, I try in the jam to um, kind of pick games that are going to work well for the people that have come up, but I feel like I've still never quite mastered that. Like, it's, it's usually either it's people I know, in which case I sort of know what their strengths and weaknesses are and I should be able to think what game's going to make them look brilliant. Uh, or it's people I don't know, in which case that in itself tells me something, because I know most of the people on the Brighton Improv scene, so it probably they're not very experienced if I don't know them. And so in theory, I can sort of pick games that are going to work well for those people. But because I'm sort of doing it in the moment and I've got like three seconds to pick a game, normally I just panic and pick one fairly randomly. But in an ideal world, I, I, I nail it and I pick games that are going to make them look amazing every time. The one thing I do often manage to do, because normally it's put your hands up if you want to do a scene and I'll sort of point at two people and get them up. And I'll try to get kind of an experienced person and a new person together um, so that there's at least one person who's, who knows what they're doing. But to be honest, recently the jams, we've not had many takers for the jam. There's like two scenes maybe normally. When we started, uh, Scoop started like six years ago nearly in the, in the sort of before times. And that was, we did it at the, at the Mayday studio. They had, the Maydays had their own place in Brighton. And um, I think because there was kind of that time with the Maydays and all their people on their courses kind of knew about Scoops. And so we'd get a lot more uh, of the people on those courses coming along and they'd often want to jam. But then when we came back after the pandemic, the Maydays had lost their studio in the pandemic. And so we're kind of doing it at sort of rooms in pubs. Uh, we're doing it at a pub called The Actors now. Um, which is a lovely venue, but it's not got that tie-in with the Maydays courses or the and also courses, as they're called now. Uh, so I think a lot of those people aren't as aware of it, and we're not getting necessarily so many people along who are up for jamming. 
and I'm kind of trying to tie it back in with that a bit now and get get all the people on those courses aware of it more but that's a work in progress yeah it's an interesting thing I've had spoken to different people and different people have had different approaches Mm. some people have said if you're putting on a show make it a show yeah putting on a jam make it a jam yeah you try and have elements of both you end up satisfying neither group yeah it's always been a bit of a thing i've never been sure about in my mind quite who who we should be aiming scoops at um because like when it started i i actually wasn't well i was involved but i didn't start it was ben tucker who started it sort of six years ago um basically he wanted um more performance opportunities so he had this idea to do this thing which I think he was just kind of planning to win it for six months uh, and then that was going to be the end of it. But it turned out it was quite popular, so it kept going. But we realised that there were so many sort of groups popping up in Brighton because of all the Mayday's courses and everything, but they didn't really have anywhere to perform. And so Scoops was a really useful thing for that. So in a way, it kind of felt, okay, the function of it is to give people somewhere to perform and to try new things. But also you want it to be a good show, so the function of it is to please the audience and also you want to be able to use it as a way of showing people things that they wouldn't normally see in Brighton so you want to have acts from out of town in so there's a lot of different kind of motivations for doing it and I never know quite how to balance those so yeah that ties in with the should it have a jam or should that be a separate thing I don't know um it sort of works but I'm I'm constantly doubting uh that the way things are done and whether whether we're making the right choices. <laughs> but, uh, so is there is there any advice that you would give to somebody that was thinking of following in your footsteps? Um, oh, well, um, I mean, I sort of took it over after the pandemic when we restarted, because Ben had run it up to that point, and he was just at that point. Post-pandemic, he was just too busy with work, trying to, as a lot of people were, trying to get life back uh, as it as it had been. Um, so I offered to take over. Um, so it was, in a way, it was easy for me because it was an existing thing. But also, I, I still had to do all the same stuff that I would have had to do if it was new, I suppose. So yeah, I mean, it's fairly easy to run. Once it's up and going, it sort of runs itself to some extent. I think the difficult things are uh, getting acts every month. Um, for the most part, that's fairly easy. Um, there's plenty of people who are up for performing. But Probably most months I find there's one slot that I'm struggling to feel. I've got three acts, I need one more, or someone will pull out at the last minute. Um, and so a lot of the sort of, uh, not 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 nightmare, not headache, even that's too strong, but a lot of the admin of it is just filling the slots. So I think uh, it's good to have a few people that you can sort of call on. Uh, if you've got a slot free, I'm in the group Tea and Toast, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And often, if I'm struggling to fill a slot, I'll go to them and say, do any of you want to do something at Scoops? And we might do something as tea and toast, but it might just be a couple of them. Uh, in fact, the, the show coming up uh, next week, which I think will be probably yesterday when this podcast goes out. Um, so if you want to come, too late. <laughs> um, but there was, I, I was really struggling to fill one of the slots in that. Uh, and so uh, me and Josh from tea and toast are going to do something together to just sort of have a pool of people you can call on if you've got a slot to fill and um i think also having a few people to win it with you on the night is really important the couple of times that neither ben nor rick could make it and i was basically running it on my own it was very stressful 
And I don't think I performed very well in those shows. There was too much else on my mind. So definitely have some other people run it with you would be my advice. What are the things that need to be done on the night? It's a lot of just sort of setting up the space. Um, I mean, I guess, depending on what your venue is, there's more or less of that to do. But often we're putting the chairs out. It's checking, checking the lights are set up correctly, um, checking the sound all works. There's things like doing the door, letting people in on the door, checking tickets. I often, if I'm doing it on my own, I get into trouble because I'm, I'm doing that and I use my phone if people want to pay by card. Um, but then also I need my phone to play music while people are coming in. Um, so I'm having to sort of get someone else to lend me their phone. It's just little things like that. All the, all the admin of running the night, it's just a bit much for one person. Get, get, some, get some helpers. So you've mentioned Tea and Toast. Yes. Tell me about Tea and Toast. Tea and Toast is an improv group I've been in. Um, I think it's been around for about eight years uh, and I joined fairly early on. And uh, we, do, we do a show sort of every couple of months. Uh, we have done for most of that time, except the pandemic. And um, yeah, we do the Brighton Fringe. We, we did the Barcelona Improv Festival this year. And by we, I mean all of Tea Toast except me. So I was, I was very uh, vicariously excited, but also quite jealous. But they did get me a fridge magnet. So he's the real winner. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're looking at doing more sort of shows out of town and at other festivals and things. Um, but yeah, we just, we, we practice every week. We do show every couple of months. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Tell me about these, these practices. Um, we sort of take it in turns to run them. Um, so, uh, it varies, um, depending on who's running it and what we're doing at the time. Often, especially if we've got a show coming up, we're focusing on the format of what that show is going to be. Um, so it might just be a few warm ups and then a couple of run throughs of the show. Um, other times there might be a particular aspect, one of the shows we want to work on, or sometimes it might be nothing to do with any of our formats. And um, maybe someone's done a class and they've learned something that they want to bring to us and they'll bring that along. And so, uh, yeah, it's very mixed. And it kind of feels like we're all sort of doing all the courses that any one of us are doing because we all bring it and teach it to the rest of us. So it's kind of, you're getting a lot of improv, uh, a lot of improv courses and things without all having to pay for them. So yes, yeah, so you've got, you're doing a couple of shows at Brighton Fringe. We are, yes. Two different shows, which we've never been done before. So that's going to be uh, hectic, I think. Tell me about Hitch Your Wagon. Hitch Your Wagon. Uh, yes, this is a new thing we're doing. We're quite excited about. Um, so I think it was at the Barcelona Improv Festival. Um, uh, some of them, maybe all of them, did a class, uh, I think with Heather Urquhart and Joe Samuel where they were doing improvised cowboy songs, um, sort of sat around a kind of a fake fire as cowboys. Um, I think probably they'd written down the names of made up cowboy songs at the beginning, and then they was kind of just pull one out and sing it. And we basically have stolen that um, with their permission. Um, we thought it was, we, we did it and it was a lot of fun. And so we did it at Scoops a couple of months ago, um, all dressed up as cowboys, Rick, Rick Stewart on the guitar and the harmonica. Uh, which, it was news to us that he could play the harmonica, but there we are. And uh, we've got like a little fake fire, um, which I should credit uh, my girlfriend, Isabella Crawley, who's also a sort of unofficial non-performing member of Tea and Toast. She does a lot of, lot of stuff to help us out. And she made this amazing little fire out of sort of uh, corrugated cardboard. She'd rolled into logs and painted them. And it's got uh, fairy lights inside, so it glows. And then there's kind of papier-mâché, not papier-mâché, tissue paper flames on top and a fan inside so that they dance about. So we've got this amazing little fire 
in the middle that were all sat around dressed as cowboys chatting away as cowboys and then every so often one of us will sort of hey why don't you sing us that song your mama used to sing and we'll pull out a bit of paper which one of the audience members wrote down with the name of a made-up cowboy song on and we'll read it out and then and then we'll sing it and there's a lot of sort of um opportunities to pimp one another um so you can sort of say hey you sing that song I, I love that bit in the middle where it's all in falsetto or where you do that dance or whatever um so you can have a lot of fun with that sort of thing and it's great we, uh yeah we did it at scoops as just a sort of half an hour show and we basically just did songs with a little bit of chat in between and that worked really well and then for the slightly longer fringe show we want to kind of expand the bits between the songs and develop the characters and relationships a bit more so that's what we're working on at the minute um so it's kind of a work in progress but i think it's going to be a lot of fun i uh i think that fire sounds fantastic i would be worried about being upstaged by the fire yeah that's the problem yeah we might have to um uh, tamper it a bit, make it make it not quite as impressive. <laughs> uh, but that's a really fun idea, and it's not. Well, I, I have not seen that before, so that's like a no. You know, it's a really, um, yeah, it's a really fun kind of format. Have you uh, done research as a as a group into uh, cowboy songs and indeed cowboys and the old west? Not really. No, I feel like probably some of the others know more about cowboys than I do. Um, we had a practice last night, in fact, where we were working on the sort of bits between the songs um, where we as cowboy characters were kind of telling stories and they were all sort of referencing all these things that you get in the Wild West, like the you know, uh, farms and bars and I don't know, I can't think of any others, but better examples than that. And I couldn't think of anything. I think I need to watch some cowboy films. But uh, if not, that the, the rest of them have got my back on that, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm Sometimes I, I, especially when I started doing improv, I did, I, um, I did a lot of um, homework because mm. you know there were a lot of things coming up that I didn't know about, and I'm like, okay, so now I'm going to find out what that thing is. But you know, yeah, there is there is also a joy, especially if you're in the audience watching somebody who clearly doesn't know the thing, but they're, oh, there is, you know, they're 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 taking what the other people are, you know, in, putting out there and using it. So that's a super fun thing as well. True. I won't overthink it then. <laughs> um, and you're also uh, bringing Blah Blah Land. We are, yes. This is the show we've done at uh, Brighton Fringe before and the one that we did in Barcelona, or that the rest of them did in Barcelona. Um, that's, sort of, that's kind of become our, um, our signature show, probably. It's kind of the one that I think uh, probably attracts the biggest, biggest audience. I think the, you know, tying something in with a popular uh ip is always a good way of bringing people in um and yeah that's a really fun show uh it's a kind of a musical based very very loosely on the film with a similar name um and um yeah we've done it a few times at the fringe it's it's gone very well it's been highly highly reviewed and um and uh yeah um I, that one i don't think we're definitely doing it at the fringe yet we're planning to but i don't think it's sort of locked in yet uh, hit your wagon we've sort of got the venue and everything sorted out but yeah I think we're doing blah blah land it's not confirmed yet though fair enough uh, you didn't hear it here first <laughs> so so it's actually there are actually elements of that popular film yeah I, I, I just I just thought this is this is like a pun or something like that no we we try to make it a bit like the film I mean, we, we dress like the characters um so the women in sort of bright colored dresses the men in kind of suit and tie um and then there's kind of there's sort of a few st we, we, well we asked the audience um 
we asked them to tell us about a town they they know and love uh and we get some information about that and then it's set in that town uh in the in the way that in la la land set in la as i said in whatever town we're given and it's sort of we have a few storylines going on that aren't particularly uh related to one another but then at the end we try and kind of bring them together um and there's at least one sort of love story in there normally there's a couple um and we've we we have we sing in it and in theory we dance in it we've tried to learn some of the dance moves from the film which um some people have had more success at than others i'd say i i haven't mastered those i don't think i've ever done a dance move in the show other than sort of half-heartedly copying what other people are doing um but yeah we we try to get a bit of that in and to give it a bit of the, the feel of the show um but uh but we don't stick too strictly to that it's it's really that's a starting point and we just have fun with it I mean, I love the idea of doing more improvised choreography. Yes. I mean, it's hard because you're already doing a lot. You're already thinking of the words. You're already improvising songs. Yeah. And then, you know, the cognitive load of then improvising choreography on top of all that. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's possible, but... It's a lot. I mean, we've got a couple of people in the group who do have a sort of bit of a background in dance. Um, so I think they're quite good at that whereas I very much don't have a background in dance um so I struggle but um you know I do my best to get involved and the audience love it the audience love it if people are good at it they'll love that and as long as you're committed to it well exactly you're not worried about anybody then you know that's also yeah. a fun to watch you don't want to end up being too too smooth <laughs> no no I don't think I need to worry about that <laughs> And in the past, Tea and Toast have explored other formats, such as Inside yeah. Number 9. Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah, and that's another one we still do sometimes. Uh, tea and Toast at Number 9, we call it. It's based on the TV show, Inside Number 9. So it's, it's kind of a dark dark comedy narrative set in a single location. So we get an, a location from the audience, and then the whole thing's set there, and we kind of... Normally there's maybe one or two edits, but for the most part it's kind of there's not a lot of editing it's kind of other than characters coming and going off stage but the kind of scene continues and uh and we just sort of see where it goes really um it's quite nice to do a narrative thing where it is one location and not a lot of edits you're not having to sort of think about oh when should we edit the scene where do we want to go next um it's just kind of what would be the next thing that happens in this location and um and there's a lot of sort of tropes from the show that we've studied and try and work into it and normally, um, yeah, normally it just gets quite dark and um, a lot of us are murdered. Um, but it's a lot of fun. We normally do that around Halloween. Um, although we did one this year at Halloween and we enjoyed it so much. I think we don't want to wait that long until we bring it back again. So we might do some of them earlier in the new year. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Can you share some of the tropes? Some of the yes. Tropes? And um, also, how did you sort of get them and then put them into the show? Um, we got them by just sort of binge watching the show and noting down things that seem to happen a lot. Um, so there's obvious ones like people dying. Um, one that's quite nice is um, someone to sort of make a vague reference to some dark thing in their past that kind of becomes gradually fleshed out as the show goes on, which is a great one for improv because you can just mention the you know the potato incident or something and without knowing what it is and uh, by the end of the show you'll you'll have found out what it is um there's often kind of relationships breaking down there's um sort of uh people who 
have uh, dreams and then other people who maybe uh, are out to sort of stop that from happening. Um, oh, what others are there? Um, oh, there's loads of them. I can't remember them off the top of my head. It's mostly just, if in doubt, kill somebody. That's my that's my rule. And there's often oh people who turn out not to be who you thought they were. That's a classic. That that often happens. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's always great to have been playing a character, and then two thirds of the way through, you reveal that you're someone else completely. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking about. Is quite often there's a twist. Yeah. How easy is it to create a twist? Yeah, I'd say it's fairly easy to do a twist. Um, how easy it is to do a twist that sort of makes sense if you really think about it probably less easy but uh, we don't worry too much about that i think there's probably plot holes in, in a lot of these if you really uh, wanted to be pedantic but yeah uh, twist twists in themselves are fairly easy just often you can just sort of invert what's happening in some way um we did one uh at, uh, at halloween which was set in a a butcher shop which was sort of very easy location for this sort of thing. I remember um, I'd, I'd, as soon as they said butcher shop, it reminded me of a, a happily never after I'd seen the Maydays doing, which was it was either a butcher shop or a pie shop or something. And um, Heather Urquhart said to me afterwards, as soon as she'd heard that location, she was slightly worried because she thought, well, we're in danger of just doing Sweeney Todd here. We, how are we going to avoid that? Which they did brilliantly. Um, I think we kind of just did Sweeney Todd. Ah. <laughs> um, there was a lot of people being minced. Um, I, I, I very nearly minced myself. In fact, it was implied at the end that I did mince myself, but it cut just before that happened. But yeah, that was um, an example of a, a twist in that. Um, I was kind of this... Uh, underdog i was the i was working at the butcher shop with my kind of family who were all the, the butcher family and i was a vegan who really didn't like working here and um it felt like i was yeah i was i was the underdog who was going to have uh, a dark end but then towards the end i i somehow turned and i i started mincing them and i became the evil one so often the twist is just, uh, uh, I'm going to take my character in completely the opposite direction to where it looks like it's going here. Um, tell me about the Museum of Relationships. Well, that's another uh, of Teen Toast's formats. Um, our oldest format, in fact. It's the, the first one we did. It's uh, inspired, I think, by an actual Museum of Relationships somewhere in Europe, um, which is sort of items people have donated that they've got left over from past relationships. Wow. And so we get people to write down something you've got left from a past relationship. And uh, we pull those out and do scenes inspired by them, uh, all built around relationships. And the whole show is kind of um, sort of formatted as though it is a, a trip to a museum. Um, I don't want to say too much because I was listening the other day, I re-listened to Kathy Manson's episode of this podcast, because um, she's in Toast as well. And she said quite a lot about this, but I don't want to repeat what she said. Um, but basically, it's, 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 it's formatted around a trip to a museum. I come on at the start as the um, uh, curator uh, guiding people around uh, and sort of showing them items. And then those items become the scenes. And uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's scenes inspired by these objects, uh, all relationship based. And we kind of come back to them. Uh, and then we end in the gift shop at the end um, to complete the journey of the museum. Yeah, that's sort of it, really. That's the that's the basic format, and you have to be very careful uh, 
giving giving out the slips of paper at the beginning to clarify write down an object that you've got left from a past relationship we used to just say can you write down something you've got left from a past relationship and you'd sort of get um you know d- uh, depression betrayal misery um which weren't really what we were looking for um but if, as long as you clarify object that's the important thing and then it normally works out all right i love getting written suggestions yeah i think you know, it's fine sometimes with the energy of the show to get people to call stuff out. That's a fun thing. You never want to stop into doing that entirely. But the nuance and the depth that you can get from a written suggestion, mm. because you can't shout out complex things. It doesn't really work. No. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I love I love that kind of written suggestion idea. Yeah, I don't know if we're getting complex things, particularly in that show. It's normally sort of a, a broken toaster or something. Oh, but, right. Uh... <laughs> So I'd like you to cast your mind back. Oh, yes. To the beginning of your improv life. Oh, right. How did you discover improv? What's your improv origin story? Well, um, so I sort of probably got into it when I moved to Brighton. And um, I thought I need to do something to, to get to know some people in Brighton. And um, I'd done a very little bit of improv before that. I, I previously lived in Colchester. And I sort of got involved in a... Um, Kind of monthly filmmakers club um where you know people interested in filmmaking would turn up once a month and kind of make films together on a sunday morning and um we'd done a little bit of improv in that sort of warm-up exercises and things so i'd done just enough to know that it was something i enjoyed um so when i moved to brighton i thought well i'll, I'll have a google see if there's any improv going on in brighton and it turned out there's quite a lot I think I'd sort of thought, well, yeah, I'm, I'm moving to Brighton. There's so much going on here. I'm going to get involved in all these different things. And improv was the first thing. And then that kind of just took over and I never did anything else. So I, I got into it quite heavily, quite quickly. And um, was sort of doing several Maydays courses a term. Um, quite early, I joined Tea and Toast and another group, which kind of, uh, well, out of one of the early courses I did uh, with the Maydays, I, I formed a, I was invited to join a group uh, that Ben Tucker started which then kind of everyone but me and him left and that was that was how we started as a duo that Rick Stewart eventually joined and that was the uh that that's what's now the Scoops House Act so um yeah I got quite heavily into it quite quickly when I moved to Brighton and I've kind of kept going ever since really uh, so what were the what were the other things that you were thinking you would get involved in Brighton that you have yet to do I'm gonna say yay <laughs> Um, I think board game clubs I was quite interested in. I know there's a few of those about. What else? Maybe that was it. Maybe it was just uh, improv and board games. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just board games that have sort of fallen by the wayside. Um, and what's it What's it like being an improviser in Brighton? What are the, I don't know, advantages, disadvantages? Just any thoughts? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's great that there is a really nice improv community. Um, I mean, I think obviously if you move somewhere like London, there's probably more. Um, but then, then you've got to live in London, which I wouldn't really want to do. I think Brighton has got it's kind of a good um, a good balance of there's enough going on. Uh, I mean, in Provan, just generally whatever you're into, there's stuff going on. But it's also not a massive horrible town, and you at the seaside and everything. So it's a good balance of things. But improv wise, yeah, there's a good community. Um, there's lots of courses going on, and and I mean, there's scoops. That's that's the big pull for me. Um, <laughs> What more could you want? Yeah, I mean, from from what I know of the, the improv scene in Brighton, it's yeah, as you say, it's big enough that the stuff going on. Yeah, you don't. I think 
having done a lot of stuff in London in the past, it has the numbers, but it also mm. has the size so that you, I found it very hard to really make friends in Yeah, I can London. imagine, yeah. I, 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 I don't know, there are people who I think very fond of, but it would be a case of like, we would be friends because we would see each other at improv stuff. Yeah. And I think probably in London, there's a lot more sort of different little pockets of improv going on. In Brighton, you know, I probably know everyone in the improv community pretty much. Um, and yeah, they sort of all either have come through and also courses um, or or they've performed at Scoops or one way or another. They're all sort of in, in the same mix. And uh, it feels quite a small, friendly community, but big enough to be able to sort of get audiences and, and do shows and have have courses and things. And you actually have audiences that aren't made up of just other improvisers. I mean, it's mostly just other improvisers, but there's enough of them. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it, it probably, well, I don't know, actually. Um, it's probably improvisers and improvisers' friends. I don't think we get a lot of, we get some people who are just kind of coming along to see what it is, but um, yeah, the majority is people who are kind of probably involved in some way in the scene. I mean, yeah, I've, I've speaking to some people, you know, different parts around the country and, you know, there isn't a big enough improv scene for their audiences to be made up of other improvisers. And yeah. I'm like, what? Your audiences <laughs> are actually made up of people who aren't doing improv. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to crack into the uh, non-improviser market, but uh, <laughs> it's always a struggle, marketing shows. Um, yeah. I've never figured out a good way of doing it, really, to to draw draw in the uh, outsiders. Yeah, I... I uh... I mean, using an established intellectual property, which you're already doing, yeah, is, that does it well. Is a great step because then you get people coming along who love Jane Austen, for example, but aren't yeah. about whether it's improvised or not. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it works really well with Blah Blah, and I've always felt uh, it's a shame with Detention Number Nine because that's a show I love, and the, I love the TV show and our show. But it, I think the TV show is not that well known. Um, so that doesn't really draw much of a crowd. I've sort of toyed with, could we rebranded as sort of in, improvised Hitchcock? Because there were parallels, but there's also quite a lot we'd have to change if we were calling it improvised Hitchcock. So I don't think that is something we're going to do. But um... Yeah, it's one of those ones where you need a sort of a middle ground because you don't want it to be so generalised that everybody knows it, but nobody particularly loves it. No. Like improvised one show or something like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you want to come and do that at Scoops, you're very welcome. <laughs> um, I'd love to perform at Scoops. I'm not sure that's the idea that I'd yeah, want to okay. do. But... <laughs> uh, that wasn't a soft launch of my next project. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so can you teach me and the listeners a game um, that either you've made up or that you've adapted or that you just really love? I can. Um, yes, so I was talking about the Museum of Relationships and um, there's a sort of palette cleanser in the middle of that where uh, one of us will step forward and draw a object out of the hat and then start monologuing as that object um, and then we'll all sort of one, one at a time tap one another out and continue the monologue uh, but each time heightening it uh, and very quickly you find it becomes ridiculous in one way or another um whatever sort of slight 
emotional viewpoint the first person started with quickly becomes ludicrous and it's a lot of fun and um the the difficulty i think is you have to make sure when you're on and someone taps you off to walk off in the opposite direction to the shoulder you were tapped on or you do get collisions uh <laughs> And no matter how much we practice it, there were always collisions, but that adds to the, because especially as it goes along, we're tapping one another off more and more frequently. So by the end, you've got a few seconds and then you're tapped off and then they're tapped off and you've got three or four people running around the stage, banging into one another while this, by this point, very heightened monologue is going on in front of them. So it, it, it rapidly descends into chaos, but it's fun chaos. And and you're actually, you're, you're talking as if you were the object. Is that yes. This is the main reason it's important to make sure people write down an object, not sort of despair, because then ah. you're monologuing as despair for two minutes. And how do you how do you how do you become an object? Um, I mean, I guess if, if it's an object with an obvious shape, you can form that shape with your body. But it's I think it's just think about what that how that object would feel. Um, what if it's a toaster? How does it feel about making toast? Um, is it annoyed that they never clear out the crumb, crumb tray? Um, or is it a shiny new toaster that's really proud of how nice it looks? Um, you just kind of pick, pick some viewpoint and, and run with it, really. Yes, I love the idea of using emotion to sort of tap into, you know, tap into the object. That's really exciting. Yeah. I think normally if it's, if it's an item I've got like a toaster, I will just think, how does mine feel? And yeah, I've never cleared out my crumb tray, so it's probably not happy. Um, okay, so big two, big two final questions. Okay, if someone were to step on stage with you, what could oh, they yes. do? Go on. No, no, I just said, oh yes, oh yes. What, okay. what could they do to delight me? Is that how you're going to ask? That's what I'm going to uh, ask. Continue. Yes. It? yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would they do to delight me? Probably um, just sort of give me a really fun offer of who I am. Um, if I can be sort of someone with a silly voice, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> that's all i need really um so yeah yeah give give me a fun character to play i think something really silly cool and that may answer the next question which oh, is yeah. what's your signature move what's the what's the thing that brings down the house saves the day has everyone going classic good way ah well i don't think it is that i think it's um uh what well, i think i am very good at, and often do especially in something that's a bit narrative -y, like blah blah land or number nine uh is kind of tying up the narrative at the end and making it vaguely make sense especially if we've got several plot lines that aren't really related i'm quite good at finding a way of tying them together into some sort of sort of harmonious ending um i think that's kind of my uh signature move yeah when it's when it's when it's towards the end of the show nothing's making any sense i'll step on i've got this here's how these things somehow relate and give us some sort of an ending. And is that is that something you've practiced? Is, is that a learnable skill or is that just something that you seem to be able to do? Um, I don't know. It probably is a learnable skill, but I don't think I've learned it. I think it is just something that comes fairly naturally to me. I think I think in quite a sort of plotty way. So I, I, if anything, it's probably something I've had to learn not to do too much and not be thinking about plot all the way through. But at the end, when it's needed, that's when I come into my own. Fantastic. Well, I only have one more thing to say, and that's thanks for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. Thank you for having me. I made this.
That's improv! <laughs> <laughs>